Welcome to Funding the Dream, the number one podcast for the number one crowdfunding platform, Kickstarter. Now here's your host, Richard Bliss. Welcome to the show. I want to thank our sponsor, Pledge Manager from KickTrack, for making this episode possible. If you were one of the more than 40,000 backers for Gloomhaven, then you encountered Pledge Manager by KickTrack. All the tiny details that you need to take care of after your campaign is over is exactly why Pledge Manager exists. Check them out at pledgemanager.com. I want to welcome my guest, Daniel Zayas, to the show. Daniel is a Kickstarter expert who's managed a large number of projects, both as a creator and as a consultant. Daniel, welcome to the show. And I'd like you to tell us a little bit about your Kickstarter project that just went live. I just launched uh, Tangle Timelines, which is a uh, time travel themed set collection game. Uh, it's a it's a 104 cards and um, it's uh, 13 bucks on Kickstarter right now. And that and that just went live, and you said it's been very successful. Yeah. Now, as you look back, one of the things I want to talk about, particularly to the audience, because a lot of you and I have both encountered uh, folks who are still learning about Kickstarter, learning about how to do this, and there's still a lot to know because there's a lot of moving pieces. Looking back, as right. you've launched this campaign, and you launched other campaigns and consulted on other ones, what do you see have been some of the big changes that have happened in the industry over the last year or two that maybe a new creator should be paying attention to when they go into this space? One thing I do want to highlight is that um, even though the the very finite, the very like fine details have changed, over the course of the last, you know, three or four years that I've been paying attention to Kickstarter, um, there are still standards, uh, torchbearers for, for all of, of this, uh, knowledge that has been built up over time. You are one of those people. Uh, Jamie Stegmaier is another one of those people, James Matthew. Um, and they, their content has still actually aged well. Your content has aged well in terms of just getting the basics down, um, getting getting at least familiar with what Kickstarter is and, wh- and how you should approach uh, selling in general. Um, but but to to answer your question, the there are certain things that have changed, um, such as your your campaign needs to become more dynamic. Is probably a really good lesson to learn. That, um, when before you, say you could set up your Kickstarter, yeah, yeah. When you before you could set up Kickstarter, you just make a page and then leave it there for the entirety of the campaign, and and you wouldn't need to necessarily um, update any any information in the campaign, um, and you would still be accepted as a a uh, a valid thing to buy. Right nowadays, you need to actually update. For instance, your your main image. Uh, keep keep testing out new images that will potentially uh, get new conversions, get new people in the door. Um, you need to change up the the layout of your actual page where you're adding in uh, new content, things that you've achieved, maybe moved uh, higher up on the page. Um, there's a lot of editing that happens mid campaign now that wasn't true even even a year ago. And 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 that has and we've actually seen results of that, right? We see one campaign after right. another uh, that continues to uh, do so well in the Kickstarter space, uh, particularly in the board mm-hmm. gaming uh, space. And I, I've heard over and over now that the amount of time required to manage a active live Kickstarter campaign. I, I've seen some backers, uh, excuse me, some um, content creators say, "Don't talk to me during my campaign." 
<laughs> that is that is true to to an extent. Um, I'm lucky in that I have a support network around me who are able to um, offer me advice and 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 uh, friendly criticism, I'll call it, and they're able to steer me in the right direction. And I fully accept those types of conversations. But for me, during the Kickstarter campaign, it's all about the Kickstarter campaign and very little else. Um, one thing that I did, um, you know this. Uh, one thing that I did to force myself to separate from the Kickstarter campaign. I did have a friend looking over the Kickstarter campaign at the time, but I did go um, uh, on a on a snowboarding trip uh, with with my friend Noah at Game Trace. You did, um, you did, and yes. I was yeah, that. yeah. So so I was for, I forced myself to to not look at the campaign, but even while I was there at the mountain i was had my phone on me at all times and was an, literally on the slopes answering questions from backers so it you don't separate from it uh completely ever right and so when you have your when people come to you is there a common set of questions that you get asked a lot of times when they come for advice um because they come and mm-hmm. say i want to set up a kickstarter campaign um how do i start how, what do i right what so I do? It, I usually answer the question with a question saying, what do you know already? And I'll go with them uh, about what they've backed before, which, which campaigns they've, they've actually experienced and and enjoyed Um, because there's a lot of, of people out there who want to do um, who want to become successful board game publishers who, who on the surface just see it as an easier thing than it actually is, or as a different thing than it actually is. Um, launching a Kickstarter campaign means that you're becoming a publisher. That like literally, you're starting a business and you are going to use this money to fund a product that people will buy, maybe in stores in the future, but definitely online. And and I think a lot of creators maybe take uh, take that for granted. Um, so I try the best thing that I can do for someone who's brand new getting in, involved is to ask them what they're trying to become, what's their end goal. And using that information, then we can carry that forward and teach them the ropes, as it were, get them involved in the community. Um, there are various Facebook communities that that are very valuable to new creators, if nothing more than to just see what's happening in the industry. Um, you bring up a really if not valid, engaging. You bring up a really valid point, and that is yeah. uh, board game designers launch on Kickstarter and then they have to ask themselves, right. and I think I've said this too, two questions. You have to, you have to choose. Do I want to be a publisher right. or do I want to be a designer? Right. Because – Right. Some of, some of us are both, but it's, it's really hard. It's, it's, I, I don't think that it's a normal thing to, to be able to achieve um, both. Well, we, we um, see a it, lot. We see yeah. a lot of them, right? There's a ton of publishers out yeah. there and out there, but oftentimes the, to use the, they're one and done's. They get that one, right. they do it, and then uh, all of a sudden it, you need to do a reprint. Right. All right, you need cash, a lot of cash to do a right. reprint. Right. right, and you've got yes, still that is true. You still got products sitting in inventory, and that means that's cash sitting mm-hmm. there that you have. There's all kinds of the, the business side of running a board game publishing. I think is what you're saying gets lost in the actual right. creation of the game getting funding to put it out there. There's some people who want to be one and done. They just want to see their board game published and see it sitting on a shelf somewhere. Um, right. I, I usually recommend Game Crafter at that point. I mean, if you really, if you just sure. want, right, just sure, sure. throw it up there and there you go, bring it home and you got a game. But if you really want to go into this, um, you know, it was interesting. I had a conversation with uh, Isaac Childress was one of uh, the guests that I had to, uh, oh, for on, sure. on the show, right? Gloomhaven. And I asked mm-hmm. him right, right before, right before the, uh, it was the day before the program, uh, the, 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 his project launched. 
You know, what's your wife think yeah. about it? And Isaac, many people might not know, is a PhD in physics. He's a PhD physicist. And I did not know that. And he, we've had conversations before. <laughs> he is a PhD. And he mentioned that his wife wanted him to uh, be a famous PhD physicist. That was the day before his campaign launched. And then for those who are in the space know that, you know, 30 days later, it's sitting at $3.9999 million. Uh, right. now, you know, I was like, now what does she think? Oh, yeah, you know, she's kind of happy with that, that Kickstarter thing, that board game thing. But that's an example of where <laughs> it's, you can... It's proved successful. Right? It's, but those are, that's an outlier. That's where Isaac had right. a specta- spent so much time and a brilliant mind who built something that went so viral. Yet somebody else who's sitting there in their day job thinking, I want to, I have a board game. I think it's a great idea. I want to publish this on Kickstarter. And now suddenly they're caught up with shipping and storage and manufacturing and design and all of these different aspects from what they were doing was sitting down with a bunch of buddies and, and playing a game. Right. It's, that, a, it's a different, it's a different animal. Yeah, it is. And, and when you help coach um, some of these, um, what aspect of the coaching do you really focus on? Uh, I focus on everything. Um, the 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 only thing that I don't usually touch very much is the actual design of the game, right? So at they, they're essentially getting to me saying that I have this thing. It's fun. It's good. I should I should probably find a way to sell it. And and my my contribution to their project is generally okay. Well, let's get quotes from multiple manufacturers. I work for a manufacturer, but I always recommend that. Um, a, a potential publisher will go get quotes from a lot, as many as they can handle to be perfectly honest, because then they'll be able to see this, this range of, of differences of what other manufacturers are charging for specific items. And you can carry that knowledge into everything that you do from then on. Um, I have them look at logistics and how they're going to ship their game. Like there it's, it sounds overwhelming, but it really is just, there is a factory in some place in the world that is making your product and then you have to get it to the customers. So how are you going to do that? Well, you have to talk to a freight forwarder who is going to put it on a boat and put it on these shipping lanes to get them to the right port. Right. And then they, and then those people have to, those products have to be received by maybe a fulfillment partner. And the fulfillment partners are then going to ship it to the end user. And all these things are just, um, you can break it down really easily, but seem monumental, like a monumental task when you don't know the people who to talk to and you don't know how to solve those problems. So a lot of my contributions are on the logistics side and then carrying forward into the campaign. How do we present all that homework that we did on the campaign so that people can build trust, even if this is the first time they've ever heard of you? And that is the that is the challenge that you bring up. I always say, and I've said it many times, oftentimes in crowdfunding, when people come to me, I said, you don't have a funding problem. Money's easy to find, borrow, get. Mm-hmm. They might not think so. You have a crowd right. problem, right? And right. that's and that's what you said. And, and the first time I hear from you should not be you asking me for money. Uh, also known right. as you know solicitations right. for Kickstarter. Instead, have I seen you? Right. Have, I, have I seen you in a podcast? Have I seen you on a podcast? Have I seen you on a blog? Have I seen you in a forum? Have I seen you on Board Game Geek? Have I seen you somewhere contributing to the community? Right. And not simply the first time I see you. Hey, you know, so I get a, I, I get them direct messages on Twitter or LinkedIn that says, Hey, uh, could you promote my? Could you promote my Kickstarter for me? I don't know this person. Right. They simply have my. I'm I'm there, and I'm thinking you. You're just you're just on some list that they that they've they right. found somewhere, and now and now you're you're getting blind emails. 
<laughs> and what's interesting is I, I rec I am. And then I, it's like, don't do that. I, right. and sometimes it can be the smallest piece of door opening. You know, if somebody I've published some stuff on, uh, let's say on LinkedIn, and if you're out on LinkedIn and he here's how you would get my attention. And this is what I recommend to, to start building your community and your tribe, so to speak, is that let's suppose right. you wanted my attention, go out and, um, listen to an episode of the podcast or go out and read something mm -hmm. that I've written on LinkedIn and then comment on it in such a way that I notice. And the way you would do that is that, for example, a perfect example is on Twitter, is it to, was reading an article by Richard Bliss about, I specialize in uh, social media for coaching and advising for executives, was reading this interesting article right. on social media battle plan. And he said this, right? That could be a Twitter post. You tag me in that Twitter post. You put a link to my article and you just share it. Mm -hmm. Do I notice Absolutely. Yeah, of course you notice. Of course I notice. <laughs> and like, who is right. this person? That's the first question I ask. Who is this person? The second mm -hmm. question I ask is, uh, I don't even really ask why are they sharing it? Because, and, I, yeah. and I've encountered that with people like, well, I don't want to share that because then they'll wonder why and they don't know who I am. No, 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 no. They know why you're sharing That's overthinking it. Because, yes. It's overthinking they, it. They th thought it was brilliant content. That's why they shared it. Um, but mm -hmm. that is an easy way to get people's attention. And then you do that a couple of times. And now if you reach out and connect, oh, I recognize your name. Oh, we've connected on Twitter. We've connected on LinkedIn or Facebook. I, I start right. to, and that becomes one of the easiest ways to start to build that tribe, uh, that following is that you're saying is that if, if this is their first step into the board gaming or Kickstarter or whatever, and they haven't built up that awareness, uh, that's, that's so important. Let right. Me, I, yeah, I, I mean, go ahead. Go for it. I, I was going to say that making making uh, uh, business deals and making uh, partnerships and and advertising your 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 products are essentially making friends with people. That's that's all that's happening. You're just making friends with people, and you all are collectively trying to achieve a, a goal together at some point. Um, but but if you just approach it from uh, you're a stranger, then that's how you're going to be treated. You're going to be like the person on the side of the road with the cardboard box that says, you know, we'll make games right. for, you know, we'll make games for money. It's right. like, okay, don't, don't be that person. I, I have a question. Speaking right. of making money and logistics, I want to talk about pledge managers. Sure. Um, because one of the sponsors of this show is uh, pledge manager called pledge manager by kick track. And a lot right. of people, a lot of people right. aren't aware that, uh, that Adam Clark and, and kick track owns pledge manager. How important have you seen right. it is to, if I'm going to be putting in a Kickstarter campaign, that I have something like Pledge Manager to manage the, and, and let's explain to the audience what a Pledge Manager is and why it's needed. Sure, sure. Um, so the, in, in recent past, uh, Pledge Managers had a big heyday because they were solving a problem that Kickstarter was not interested in solving. Um, after your campaign, where do people go who are interested in buying your product before you've actually finalized the manufacturing? People, maybe people don't know this. It will take it even farther back is that when you're launching a Kickstarter campaign and then you get funded, it takes two weeks for Kickstarter to kick out the funds. And then it takes probably six months to a year to actually physically like decide on everything that's going to be made in the game and then and then also manufacture it and and get the logistics set up to make sure that everything is getting shipped to the right way it's going to be on a boat for at least a month so all of this time is being eaten up 
where your game could potentially start to lose the hype that has been built around the Kickstarter and can start to lose all of uh, this, this built-in energy. And what Pledge Managers solve is uh, prolonging this idea that, that you will be able to buy the game, even though it's already been funded on Kickstarter, even though funding is closed on Kickstarter, um, you can set up a link. On, you can literally set up a link on your Kickstarter and say, uh, late backers go here, and then they can take them to the pledge manager in order to um, back the game while, while it's in production. It also allows, I think, uh, the ability to manage some of that communication in such a way like yes. add-ons, right? Add-ons, I want to... Right. Right. I want to spend, hey, you wanted this. We didn't put it in the Kickstarter, but we a stretch goal. We made this fig available for $20 and you get it in the pledge manager afterwards rather than backing it in the Kickstarter. Yeah. One of the people who have done this really well is uh, Gameland Games. Uh, Every single tiny epic uh, Kickstarter will then be, uh, they don't advertise this in the Kickstarter at all. But then once you get to the pledge manager, uh, you'll actually see a ton of different add-ons related to the game, such as play mats or, or upgraded components or, or, or all sorts of different things. Um, but they don't even advertise it in the Kickstarter campaign. And, but people know, they've almost like groomed their audience to expect, when we get to the pledge manager, I've already spent 20 bucks on the game, and I'm going to spend another 20 or 40 or $50 on, on these add-on pieces of the game. And, the, and and talking to uh, project owners, sometimes this can equal almost 50% of the revenue they raised on Kickstarter. Because yeah, it, easily. It, easily. And I know that I've been yeah. caught up in that. Um, I feel like right. a well-trained pigeon, right? Sometimes on a project that, <laughs> right? It's like, oh. If you're, if you're excited about a game, you want everything related to the game. And it, like nerds are completionists. That's just the way it is. And so to to – to capitalize on that, you can make more content that the people, they want, they want it. They want it. They're just waiting for you to sell it to them. So, so as we talk about your so, project in the last couple of minutes that we have, when we talk about uh, Tangled Timelines, sure. you know, kind of how did right. you approach this, um, this idea of, okay, right, let's, sure. let's put this project out there and, and how am I going to wrap this up? Sure. So I approached Kickstarter and maybe uh, a more holistic way because I'm already in, in bed in the industry and I'm already, uh, at every major convention related to board games. Um, I usually publish something because I think it's a fun idea. I think it's a, I think I can um, expose people to something that I enjoy, which I think is a a good way to approach Kickstarter in the first place for anybody um, not to be uh, dissuaded by any um, lack of support for, for a Kickstarter just to be there for yourself. Um, The Kickstarter before this was, mechanisms which did not fund and that was fine because it just needed to be re- that just means it needed to be retooled the one before that was when cutie met patootie um and that one had marginal success it only had about 400 backers but now i'm sitting here with a 13 dollar card game and i'm already up to more than 700 backers and i still have a, a few weeks to go now to touch on the uh add-ons process what i did was i said you can add $10 to your Kickstarter, to the Kickstarter pledge, and we'll settle up in pledge manager. And then what will happen is you'll get sleeves added to your game. So it's a very easy add-on to put sleeves attached Absolutely. to your card game. And we don't play and, games and, uh, in my house. We don't play games in my house unless the cards are all sleeved. I mean, that's just become, right. 
right. a lot of people are like that. And, and, and because of that, it's an easy way to, to add 10 bucks into the campaign after the Kickstarter ends, I'll add, maybe I'll put me, I want to make the Kickstarter special. You all, so one thing to keep in mind is you always want to make sure the backers feel that they're getting something different than everybody else who comes after, which is a hard proposition actually. So what you can do is make something a dollar cheaper. In, in my case, the $13 covers um, their game and then they have to add on a couple bucks in shipping. And then what will happen is in the Kickstarter, uh, in the pledge manager campaign, the, um, the, they, they're getting 52 promo cards for free. And what I'll likely do is make those 52 promo cards a dedicated expansion. And then $13 covers your base game. And the promos are their own little set that will be added on in the pledge manager. And then in addition, the, the sleeves um, are, are currently included for free shipping. And what I'll do is I'll just make those a separate shipping cost. Got it. And so that, that pledge right. manager allows you to easily break that out. Right, exactly. This has been very helpful. Daniel, thank you so much for taking the time to come and talk about your campaign, to share some of your industry knowledge, and to just kind of chat about the state of the industry as far as uh, what's going on out there. I appreciate it. Would you, um, as we move along after the campaign ends, would you be willing to come back? Oh, absolutely. I think it'd yeah, be great. I, I, I love talking to you, Richard. <laughs> uh, I enjoy it too. We've, uh, we've had some good times over the years. Uh, thanks again. Right. You, you've been listening to Funding the Dream. My guest has been Daniel Zayas, who is with Daniel Zayas Company. You can find his project, Tangled Timelines, on Kickstarter now. And I want to say thank you to our sponsor, uh, KickTrack Pledge Manager. If you're running a Kickstarter campaign, Pledge Manager is the best way to go. Thanks for listening. Take care.